30. One-timer, cleft bomb, rebound, score! Milan Lucic with his third career hat-trick, and it's unnatural, Hattie! He'll swing it out to the outside, and it is to the end zone. Touchdown, Eskimos! Darrell Walker with the touchdown, and the Eskimos take the lead with less than a minute to go. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. He played 507 games with the Edmonton Oilers. He scored 165 goals at 382 points. In the summer, he was traded to the New York Islanders. And tomorrow, Jordan Eberle will suit up for the New York Islanders against his old team, the Edmonton Oilers. Thanks for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 630 Chet, and I'm pleased to welcome back to the show from the New York Islanders, Jordan Eberle. Jordan, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? Doing very well. Thanks a lot for taking time to talk to Oilers fans here. And uh, i got to ask you right off the top, how does it sound to be going against the Edmonton Oilers tomorrow night? Yeah, it's it's a change for sure. Um, you know what? I it's uh, obviously knew it was going to come. Um, it's uh, it, it's it's a little different when you when you see them. I think it'll probably be even weirder once they get on the ice. But just going to approach it as another game. I think maybe there's a little more incentive to win uh, more than anything. You see guys lined up against you that. You know, our buddy, he, he gives you that little extra motivation for sure. You know, I, I know obviously you've gone up against former teammates before, whether it was through a, a trade or a free agency. Um, so you've kind of you've kind of been through that. But I, I do want to know, are, do you, and I know you're a sports fan and, and you watch highlights and games, but have you found yourself paying a lot of attention to how the Oilers are doing, like more than you normally would to the rest of the team? Or how does that work for you? Yeah, of course. Um, you know, you still have a lot of relationships with the team. You know, a lot of friends. You want to see how they're doing. Um, and, you know, at the time change, I, I catch a lot of games. And, you know, I watch hockey, whether it's them or anyone else. But, um, you know, when you have an involvement with a team or a pass involvement, you're definitely keeping tabs to see how they do. Jordan, you, you started off this season, I, I think you went 10, goal, 10 games uh, before you scored, though you, you were racking up a lot of assists along the way. Though, uh, you know, I know guys don't like to see that zero in the goal column for, for too long. Was and when, you're, and when you're starting with a new team, obviously you want to make an impact, I'm sure. How, were that, how was that first batch of games for you? You know, how did you handle maybe, or maybe you didn't feel like you wanted to contribute more, but how, were the, how was that first batch of games for you? Yeah, I mean, I mean, like you said, anytime with a new new team, you want to you know start off with a good impression. Um, you know, I, like you said, I hadn't scored my first ten. It was uh, <laughs> you know, I, as a guy who likes to score, it was kind of frustrating a little bit. But like you said, I, I'd been creating chances and, and getting assists. But um, you know, I just felt like it was a moment of time before it was going to come, and I think I got four of my last four. So you know, I, it, it's it's funny how that works sometimes. But you want to be a consistent scorer. You don't want to go through those big droughts, but. It took me a little bit of time to adjust the system and, and uh, you know, find my place in, in the team. And, you know, we've been scoring a lot of goals lately, too. So, um, you know, you want to be a part of that. I know recently you've been on the line with Matthew Barzell, who's an exciting young player. Um, well, I mean, actually, lately it's been uh, Barzell and Ladd. But, you know, I've played with both. But, you know, it's Barz, he's a, he, he's a very quick player. He uses his speed to create open ice. and and creates chances that way. He's fun to play with. He's found me a few times in the slot, and you know, you really just have to finish. So, um, 
you know, and, and you know, JT played with him, Johnny Tavares for uh, quite a few games. We had some success together. He would score lots and set him up. And um, you know, it's good. I think right now we have a, a, a line combinations that we're able to create a bit of a one-two punch. And you look at um, the successful teams in the NHL. You know, they have that. So we definitely have some depth scoring right now. And um, you know, we want to continue it that way. Jordan Eberle joining us on 6.30 Chat. Oilers and Islanders set to face off. i, I got to ask you from a little bit of a outside of a hockey perspective, you're, you're a prairie boy, obviously ties to Regina, Calgary, and Edmonton through, through your hockey career and your life, and now you're living in, in the big city, <laughs> in, in New York City. Uh, uh, I mean, with the Islanders sort of centered in Brooklyn, but I think you guys might have to uh, move around a little bit when it comes to practice, too. What's that transition been like? Because that's a, a lot more uh, densely populated place than what you find on the prairies. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a change. Um, you know what? It's it's. I've kind of taken it as a you know as um, an exciting adventure. It's you know every day there's lots of stuff to do. Uh, if you have a day off, I've already been to a Giants game, the Knicks game. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot to do. It lot to do here, and and uh, you know the team's really awesome with accommodating whatever you want. But um, you know, as far as where we live, we're on the Long Island, and, and our practice is about five minutes from my house, which makes it easy. It, it can be tough getting to the game sometimes, as far as taking the train. But you get used to it. It's, I think that's all in the first, you know, preseason games and starting the season. That that was all a transition just to get your game day routine down. But you know, I, I definitely feel uh, accustomed to it now. All right, so you've already embraced using the rail system then. <laughs> but th- exactly, I just got off it to be honest. But it's uh, you know it, it, you get used to it. It's it's, it's no different than um, driving thirty minutes to go to the old Rexel place. So um, you know it, it, you got to take everything as a exciting thing. And, and to be honest, like I said, I've, I've enjoyed it so far. Did, were there any any conversations with Thomas Hickey about number fourteen, or was that a no go? <laughs> No, you know what? As soon as I got traded, it uh, I uh, kind of looked to see if number seven was available. It's always been my favorite number, obviously with Edmonton. It's uh, it's retired, so um, I was pretty happy to see that I could was able to wear it. Jordan, I, I got to ask you this, uh, and I know. There's a point here where you you don't want to probably look back too much, but uh, given this is our first conversation since you were traded, do you have a favorite memory from your time with the Oilers, a goal or a game that you think is going to stay with you for a long time? Well, I I think everyone remembers their first game. You know, for me, you know, Evans gave me a chance to to grow as a player there, and in my first game, all my family there scored. You know, that that definitely sticks out. I think last year, getting the opportunity to play in the playoffs. Um, since I had gotten to Edmonton, some of the guys I'd played with had talked about how great it was uh, in the 06 run. And, and to get a chance to do that, that would have been a really big regret if I'd never done that. So, um, you know, that kind of run in the first game will stick out for sure. There's another uh, Oilers connection with the Islanders, and that's your head coach, Doug Waite, who took over last season, and the team had a really good record under him. What's Doug like uh, as a coach, and uh, what's your connection like with him? Well, he's a very offensive-minded coach, so it's you know, for a skilled guy, I love it. It's uh, he he he's played the game, and he and he uh, he knows what you're kind of trying to do, and when he's watching film, he's got that aspect of, of thinking. So, um, you know, I, I think that you look at our team and how many goals we've already. It's um, 
you know, it's credited to him and giving us leeway to make plays. And, and not only that, but you got to do it at the right time. And he understands that, too. So, um, and, you know, he, he's great for a guy like me to come in. He, he's kind of taken a similar route when he played as far as played with the Edmonton for a while. He knows where I've been and knows the kind of player I am. So, um, you know, it's, it's just been a great fit so far. How do you compare, I mean, you mentioned living in New York and, and some of the other sporting options, and you've been able to attend some of those games. Uh, I mean, in Edmonton, the Oilers were the big fish. Not that there aren't other teams, but but the NHL is kind of king. How do you compare sort of the scrutiny around the team, the the hype around the team going from the Oilers uh, to the Islanders? Like, Has it been a noticeable difference, or is it still like, well, there's hockey fans everywhere, and, and they still care about the team? No, I mean, there's definitely hockey fans here. I think that's the one thing I really underestimated was, you know, the Islanders. They they have a huge fan base, and it, I think it dates back to the 70s. You know, they, they created that um, identity here, and, and uh, there's a ton of fans. Um, as far as media, I don't think we get as much media scrutiny and media coverage as maybe in Canada and Edmonton, um, you know, which can be nice, to be honest. Um, you go under the radar a bit, and you kind of just do your thing, so... Um, you know, there's obviously pressure playing in the NHL every night. You have to bring your best game, but um, when you don't have to, when you take away the added pressure of the media and, and articles and everything getting on all the time, it makes it a little nicer. All right, and final question, and maybe one of the most important ones: Have you been able to get Saskatchewan Rough Riders games there? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, I haven't. Um, uh, you know, keeping tabs a little bit, but. Um, you know, it's all NFL here, as you probably know. It's uh, I would like I said, I went to uh, a Giants game the other day, and you know they're not doing too well. But just to see the stadium and, and uh, the atmosphere, I think that's it. Uh, really puts into perspective uh, how big the game is here. All right, Jordan, we really appreciate you making time for us. Uh, you know, glad to see you're off to a good start with the Islanders, and all the best the rest of the way. Appreciate. It. Thank you very much. That is Jordan Eberle checking in tonight on Inside Sports on Oilers Radio 630. Ched, his Islanders are 8-5-1. He now has four goals and 11 points in 14 games. As we talked about, he did not score in his first 10 games. He had two yesterday as the Islanders knocked off the Colorado Avalanche 6-4. We'll have a little bit more on the Islanders from their play-by-play voice, Chris King, later on in the show. Of course, the Edmonton Oilers struggling mightily, mightily. They are 4-8-1 and one to start the season, and it was a very subdued performance, to say the least, from the Oilers yesterday in a 4-0 loss to the Detroit Red Wings. We'll talk about that more in a couple of minutes. Here's what's happening in the NHL so far tonight. All these games are in the second period. The Coyotes lead the Capitals 2-1. The Blue Jackets are up 2-0 on the Rangers. Toronto leading Vegas 3-1 and the Bruins with a 2-1 edge on the Minnesota Wild. Still to come later on tonight, the Jets play the Stars and the Red Wings meet the Canucks. Monday Night Football will see Detroit take on Green Bay. We'll update you on that one once it starts. You'll hear a little bit from head coach Todd McClellan. We'll examine what's going wrong with the Oilers when we get back. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. I want you to just put yourself in this situation. For some reason, doesn't matter why, but let's just, just come along with me on this scenario. For whatever reason, you go back to your old high school. Or maybe if you happen to be a high school student, you're, you're walking around your current high school. 
but you're say you're back in your old high school and you walk by the gymnasium and your old gym teacher is there and your old gym teacher says hey Jim or Samantha or Morley or whoever says uh, hey uh, he says that your old gym teacher says hey would you like the chance to win a hundred thousand dollars you don't have to bet anything you'll either get the hundred thousand dollars or you get nothing and it's gonna take uh, about a minute so you think, well, I'm already here in my old school walking around. I trust my old gym teacher. I might as, I might as well go along with this and see what happens. So uh, your gym, so you say, yeah, sure. If there's nothing to lose, 100 grand sounds great. And then your gym teacher says, all right, well, there's two, I got two of my uh, students, uh, two really good athletes in the gym. We're going to go in. You have to pick one of the two to shoot one free throw. If he makes it, you get the money. If he misses, you don't. Sounds like a pretty good deal. Nothing to lose. So you're thinking, okay, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to pick between one of these two kids. I'll pick the one that looks more like a basketball player. And uh, maybe I'll get the money. Probably shoots at least 50% from the line. So you walk in, and there's two really athletic-looking high school students there. Hard, hard to tell them apart who would be a better athlete. So you're kind of hemming and hawing, not sure who to pick, and your gym teacher says, you know, we got to get this going. Uh, I'll let you talk to each one of them for, for uh, 10 seconds each, and then you pick which one shoots. So you're like, all right. So you go up to student A, and you say, uh, so you're a pretty good free throw shooter? And the kid looks at you dead in the eye and says, you're darn right I am. I'm going to get you that money. Okay? You go up to student B, and you say, uh, you're a pretty good free throw shooter? And he says, yeah, you know, I've, I've made a few in the past, uh, but, but sometimes I miss, so uh, I don't know. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll take the shot. It could, could go, it could go in, but, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, sometimes I'm a little bit off, and, you know, it's kind of cold in the gym right now. So, so finally you're like, okay, okay. So the gym teacher says, all right, which guy are you going to pick to make to shoot your shot for you? I know who I would pick. I don't know who you listing would pick, but I know who I would pick. Now, why am I relating this little fictional anecdote? Because, ladies and gentlemen, right now, the Edmonton Oilers are athlete B. They're not quite sure if they can make the free throw. They, they know they've made three fro free throws in the past. But doggone it if they're going to make the next one. And doggone it if they can deal with it if it's not quite perfect conditions. You don't get to participate in in um, April or late April, early May hockey at 3.33. It's as simple as that. Like, you sure don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure that out. And uh, the uh, the effect of, uh, of losses accumulating also plays on the mentality of the team and the group and uh, the belief system. We worked hard for two years to get it up, and uh, now it's being tested. So we've got to put some performances together. The belief system is getting tested. And look, we all know that some teams in the NHL just have better rosters than other teams, and they're going to win on most nights. We also know that it's pretty close between a lot of teams in the league and that sometimes it comes down to confidence, belief, willingness, and right now those things are lacking for the Edmonton Oilers. And we've seen them do it. They aren't doing it most of this season, and they sure as heck didn't do it yesterday where they... Played pretty good for three minutes, and Detroit got a nice goal, and then the Oilers seemed to kind of lose interest in the game. 
and I think that belief system is eroding a little bit, and if they don't get it back fast, this could be a really long season. we got Darren on line one. Hi, Darren. Hey, Reed. How are you doing? Good doing show. well. I haven't talked to you for a while. I still listen to you every day, so uh, keep up the good work. Thank you. Um, no problem. Yeah, you know, talking about the Oilers. You know what? I go back. I'll just kind of go back in, uh, you know, the good old 80s with uh, Sather. You can still, to this day, listen to uh, Lowell or Gretz or Mess. Andy, any of those guys will talk. Uh, when they talk about Glenn, Slats, they talk to him with respect still, right? Like, like you, you can just hear it in their voices. Like, he's still in the room, like, when they're talking. That's what he meant to them, like, you know, as the players, right? So what he had was um, he, had, he had control, right? He had control in the room. And right now, you know, I'm not, I, I like McClellan. I, I think he's a nice guy, but right now he's, he's at best as an assistant coach in the NHL, and he doesn't have control of the team. Now, you've got to remember, you've got the best player on the planet, McDavid. Everyone else, you want to get control in that room, everyone else is tradable or they're down to the minors because they all got to be accountable. And right now there's no accountability. And how do you get that back? Well, you, you get that back. And what you got to do is you got to be like hands on. If you watch a little bit, I've seen Babcock just here ran ran into one of the Leaf games. I can't remember. I was watching about a month ago, and I watched him go from the bottom of the line all the way to the end of the bench. And he touched every guy, and he touched them. He said something to each guy, to each guy, right? Because he's got accountability on the dressing room. And right now, uh, you know, and I hate to say it, but it's 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 a coaching thing. Right now, it's just nothing but coaching. We still got a great team. We have a playoff team. We have a Stanley Cup contending team. The thing is, just the little things, these guys are not being accountable, and that's the only way you can do it, Reed. You got, you, the coach doesn't have, right now, the trust, he doesn't have the confidence because he, he doesn't have control of the room, right? You, and I'll give you one more quick little thing, and I'll let you go here. You got but, 10 seconds. Okay, Popovich, going, going to the San Antonio Spurs. Now, that guy right now, I could take him from, from that bench, put him in the Oilers. He hasn't even seen hockey, and he'll get the team playing good. Watch the guy. I, I ask the listeners just to just to go read up on the Popovich, read up on these coaches that are that win. Anyway, good show, Reed. Keep up the good work, and uh, I'll, uh, I'll talk to you guys later. Ciao. Thanks, Darren. We'll take a call from Jared after the news, and then we'll talk to Blake Dermott, our Eskimos analyst, as the team gets ready for the playoffs. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in. Furnace Family Oilers Hockey tomorrow. Edmonton's Furnace Family replacement experts call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. We're going to start at 3.30 in the afternoon with the face-off show. The game between the Oilers and the Islanders will get going at 5. Uh, Oilers game Thursday night. Saturday morning, Sunday night, and then don't forget Sunday afternoon on Kiss and Country 103.9. Playoff football, Eskimos at Winnipeg. We'll talk a little bit about that with Blake Dermott in a minute, but I want to squeeze in Jared on the open line. Jared, I got Blake standing by, so uh, I know you're usually concise, but uh, be as concise as possible, please, buddy. Uh, just a couple quick uh, comments, and it has to do with Tom McLeod talking about the Oilers playing quicker. And whenever he's asked the question, do you think this team is fast enough, he almost seems to evade the question by not answering it. And I think he is concerned about the speed. But when I was watching the Pittsburgh game, in the third period, the Oilers were always slightly a step behind. And even in the New Jersey game, every time the Oilers kind of, there was a shift of momentum, Todd put out 
Connor McDavid and Connor basically dominated that game. And Corey Schneider didn't play that well. So how well the Oilers played in that game, I'm not 100% sure. But Rob made a comment I called in last year, and he said that, I said to him, how come a player can all of a sudden just fade or he can't get out of the minors? And he says, everything just happens a split second quicker. Either they slow down or players get quicker. And the one thing I did not realize this summer is how many teams had changed their style and how quick they had got. I still think the Oilers are the same. I just think the rest of the league has gotten quicker. So now as we see all these giveaways and bad plays, everybody say whether well, they're playing stupid, it's they're, they're playing uh, mentally lazy, but I think they just don't have that extra split second anymore. So they're panicking and they're throwing away the puck. My question for you is, when you're at the games, do you think they're panicking in terms of like there's too much speed on them, or are they just making bad plays and throwing the puck away? Because I can't see that on TV. A lot of times the camera shifts and you don't see that. I wouldn't go so far as to say they're panicking, um, but like I said in the last half hour, I do think confidence and hesitation I think lack of confidence and increased hesitation is an issue. And I, and I do think overall they're not a fast team, though as Todd has said, they are capable of playing quicker if you read and react and work hard to get into position. And I, I actually think, Jared, the, the speed issue, a lot of people equate speed with offense. I look at the Oilers and some of the troubles they had, and I equate speed with defending and especially getting pucks out just inside their own blue line because they have a lot of wingers that don't win a lot of races to the wall to chip the puck past the pinching defenseman. I think that's the biggest issue that the Oilers have when it comes to speed. That's how I look at that, okay? Okay, Reed. You have a great night. Okay, appreciate it, Jared. 780-496-0063. More hockey talk, more Oilers talk as we move along tonight, but... What a season for the Eskimos. Win seven, lose six, win five. Can they win three more in a row and win the Grey Cup? Eskimos analyst Blake Dermott joins us now. Blake, you know, it's great. We were just talking about speed. I believe you were the fastest offensive lineman in the CFL in your era, were you not? Only to a buffet. <laughs> oh, that's, that's incredible. That's the line of the year. Oh, uh, I... Uh... I uh, I wasn't uh, I wasn't the biggest or the or the fastest. Yeah, I used to I say I may not be that big, but I'm slow too. So, <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Well, uh, Blake, what what a year for the Eskimos. First of all, uh, I mean, twelve and six, pretty good record. Usually, you get there a little more even keel than than the Eskimos did. But when you look at the the uh, the winning streak at the end of the year. What do you think allowed them to to rack up these wins at the end of the year that at least gave them a chance for a home playoff game, even though they fell basically a, a game short in the tiebreaker? I think what what allowed them to to uh, have the success and, and get this string going, as you mentioned, was their core group of players. Um, they, you know, it's so well publicized, publicized and, and documented how how many uh, injuries and personnel that they went through this year and, and never seen anything like it in all the time that I've, I've been on this earth and, and paying attention to the CFL. Uh, but it, it, is, it is something that when you still have your core leader, your MOP, and, and we will be the league MOP, or that's going to be a, one of the biggest travesties that uh, the CFL has seen. Um, he's, he's, when he is the guy that's been healthy, and he never missed a game. And I think, uh, you know, they're down to two other guys that didn't miss a game, I think, all season. So so they, they had some core guys. They're guys that weren't out for long 
stretches at a time. And, and those guys can, you know, when, when you still have some continuity, you're eventually going to get out of it if you've got the right people in place. And the Eskimos obviously did. In terms of Saturday's game, I know, and I I don't want to speak for every every fan, but I, I know there was some discussion, and some Eskimos fans believed, uh, you know, don't play Riley, you know, don't don't risk anything. But but I mean, clearly he played the whole game and had had a pretty good game. You're you're an ex player. I mean, it's my experience that that nobody wants to sit out, even if there's there's not much on the line. Uh, and the Eskimos won that game. Or were you happy with the way the Eskimos handled their approach to that game overall? Oh yeah, absolutely. Because because here's here's the thing that I'm always a firm believer of. You know, and you know Calgary took the other tack, and Calgary didn't dress their starter, even though you know he and he was dinged up. And they, people have been saying that for the last six weeks that Bo Levi's a little banged up, and and Nichols uh, didn't start. And uh, we don't know how injured he is, but I think he's probably a little bit different than Bo. Uh, Bo's is a shoulder. Nichols looks like a knee. Um, but I, I still believe both of those guys are going to play next week. But I don't think you ever want to go into this time of the year with uh, losing a game. I, I, I don't. I don't care what people say. We're resting and all. You, you as a as a player, as a coach, as a management personnel, you you want to be able to to go into playoffs on a high, and uh, and really, I, I think Winnipeg did. Um, but I think Cal- uh, Calgary ruined an opportunity. Three games in a row, they've lost. Like. You know, it, it, you saw what happened to Edmonton. It's just very difficult. And, and even if you can you can have a million excuses for it, like oh yeah, well we didn't sit this person, or we sat this person, didn't sit, didn't dress this guy, it it, it still is a, a loss. And when you've got three of those in a row, you can't compound that and all of a sudden turn the switch off, uh, turn the switch on when you've got two weeks uh, to think about it. And uh, and I think I think it was smart of Winnipeg. Uh, they went out and played as hard as they could. Their defense played very well and played Calgary. Um, but Edmonton played their their best people, the best people that they had dressed, the best people that were in their on their roster were the ones that played. They didn't sit anybody, and uh, with the exception of maybe Odell Willis. Uh, but uh, but yeah, they went at it. They they want to go into this the the the, the third season. For them, I guess it would be the fourth season based on their records, right. and and uh, and be on a high. And I would be too, because uh, because Winnipeg is a team that uh, that Edmonton lost twice to, and uh, they they really feel strongly that they played one of the worst games of their of their year, worst halves of the year, and still almost beat that team. So I think this is good. they're in, they're in a much better shape mentally than, than Winnipeg is going into this game. Eskimos analyst Blake Dermott joining us inside sports on 630. Chad, the Eskimos will be in Winnipeg Sunday afternoon. It's on Kissin' Country 103.9, one thirty for the countdown to kickoff. The game will start at 2.30. Blake, uh, I mean, you played several seasons for the Eskimos, played, uh, you know, uh, well, you never missed the playoffs, so you played at least one playoff game every year. What is this week like knowing that if if you don't have a good game or things don't go your way, you know, it's over. Is it a different sort of stress or preparation to handle? Well, yeah, absolutely. It it really is. It's it's um it's a you try to put yourself into whatever it is that you're doing uh, for a living and uh and knowing that if if you have you have 7 days to, you know, to to prepare yourself and to have a good week and if you don't have a good week you lose your job. And and that's going to happen to some of these players that they're it happens every year at the end of every season. Some some players' careers are over after this game. So, um, and and then and then it's six months before you have an opportunity to be able to make money again. 
So, yeah, it's, uh, it is something that's going to weigh on everybody's mind, and it's going to make add for the pressure. And, then, and it's, it's the beauty of, of professional sports and, and playoffs and that the team that ultimately handles it the best um, is a team that's going to go on. And I think you, you, you have to have enough veteran leadership in the room. You have to have enough youth and excitement in the room to be able to uh, carry the veteran leadership and the veteran leadership to keep everybody calm and relaxed and, and moving forward. And, and uh, I, that, again, that's why I said I think, I think Edmonton is in a, a much better position because of where they were two years ago when they won the Grey Cup and, uh, than, than Winnipeg is now. Mike Riley, of course, setting a new team record for passing yards in a season over 5,800 yards. Ray in 2008, Moon in 1983 were both over 5,600. Uh, Moon obviously did it in a 16-game season, Riley in an 18, but still uh, an incredible accomplishment by Riley. Blake, I, I, after uh, in, in the next segment, I'm going to give a little bit on, on the playoffs because I'm still not happy with, with the format. But in terms of the six teams that got in, you know, I, I look at Edmonton, and, and like you said, some of the experience in the quarterback. I look at Saskatchewan and, and what they're capable of on defense and special teams. Uh, I look at, at Winnipeg sort of, uh, despite maybe having some injuries here, being a team that's had some pretty good momentum. Calgary, despite the finish, an, an exceptional roster, and they've been good for several years. And Toronto and Ottawa, uh, you know, I look at teams that... Uh, you know, went through some tough times, but have some explosive players and have some pretty good quarterbacks. I personally, Blake, really like this field, and I think you can find a reason that every team isn't going to win the Grey Cup, but I think there are also compelling reasons for why every team could be the one that could go on a run and possibly do it. Uh, how do you assess the, the depth and possibility of the 16 playoff field? Well, I would agree with you completely. Um... And uh, I think that the, the the top six teams in the league are in the playoffs, and uh, and you're right. When when you saw, you know, um, Toronto coming to Edmonton, uh, and and Edmonton have to play right to the end of the you know to the end of the game to be able to win that game. Um, they're they're a team with a, a a record that's not as bad as Ottawa, but I mean Ottawa is is a team that went through some issues early in the season and, and some penalties or some injuries, and. Uh, and they've become one of the hottest teams in the league as well at this time of the year going into playoffs. And they've got a very strong coaching staff. And that's the one thing about every one of these teams, uh, that they're going into the playoffs. It's very difficult to find any kind of wrinkles within you know, their, their makeup, and, and that includes their coaching staff. And, and uh, all, the, all the teams are solid that way. They have veteran uh, coaches. And uh, I, I, you're right. I think any one of these teams can win the Great Cup, any one of them. And, and you know, I don't. I don't think you say that every year. As, as, even though it's all a one gamer and everything uh, is, is unpredictable, I, I, I really think that, yeah, hot at the right time. Quarterback has a big game. Maybe that's the team that's going on. Blake, it's going to be fun. Uh, I know you're getting ready already for the uh, broadcast on uh, Sunday, and you'll be on with Morley and Dave. Going to be a beauty, Eskimos and Bombers. Thanks for everything, buddy. Okay, no problem. Thanks a lot. That is Blake Dermott checking in, our Eskimos analyst here on 630 Chet. And don't forget the game on Sunday on Kiss and Country 103.9. What uh, what a year for the Eskimos. I mean, 7-0, you lose six straight. And uh, were they ever going to win another game? What was going to happen? And, and they tough it out. They get some guys back. Riley should win league MOP. 
And uh, first Eskimo to do that, by the way, since 1989, if it does happen. They got as good a shot as anybody. And it's funny, Winnipeg healthy most of the year. Nichols might not be uh, able to play. Darvin Adams obviously is out. They got a couple key injuries on defense. So maybe things are coming together at the right time for the green and gold. A little more on the CFL uh, playoff format and a little more on a couple moves the Oilers made today. It's Inside Sports on Chet. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Ched. All right, here's what's happening in the NHL tonight. Toronto up on Vegas 3-2 after 2. Also after the second period, Blue Jackets leading the Rangers 2-1. Arizona and Washington tied 2-2. Late in the second frame, Boston with a 4-1 advantage over Minnesota. And early on, only five and a half minutes into the game, it's already 2-0 for the Jets leading the Stars. Shifley has his eighth. Line A has his seventh. Later on tonight, the Canucks will host the Red Wings. Monday Night Football, late in the first quarter, Detroit leading Green Bay 7-0. Lions are 3-4. Green Bay is 4-3. Of course, Aaron Rodgers out for the season for the Packers. All right. Inside Sports on 630, Chad. The Edmonton Oilers have sent Kyler Yamamoto back to the WHL's Spokane Chiefs. He played his nine games, uh, assuming that he doesn't get used anymore by the Oilers. He will start next season on the first year of his entry-level contract. And the Oilers have called up Brad Malone from the farm. Obviously not an earth-shattering call-up. Malone, a depth guy who uh, checked hard when he did play for the Oilers in the preseason and a couple of regular season games hopefully can help with penalty killing, which has been uh, obviously a disaster for the Edmonton Oilers. 67.4% for the season. Curious to see what they do for second-line right wing. Anton Slepeshev had a pretty good game Friday against New Jersey, was injured late in the game. I don't think it's a, a serious injury, but I don't know if he's necessarily going to be able to come back tomorrow. We'll find out. Your Oilers update for Niskew Ford. Every model on sale every day, Niskew Ford, above expectations. Patrick Bowers, our studio producer this evening. Patrick, good to see you, old boy. Likewise, sir. <laughs> You're always so positive. <laughs> I'm dying inside, Reed. i got to put on a shiny exterior, right? Well, you're doing a good job. Hey, <laughs> thank you for that. Uh, you're familiar with the old Canadian Football League. Yep. You're familiar, uh, I assume then you're also familiar with the fact that they have two divisions. Of course. Based on geography. East and West, yes. right? Yes. It's amazing I, how that works. Not Atlantic and Pacific, because there are no ocean teams. <laughs> well, BC is kind of on, well, I guess it's a straight that's connected to the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> How did we wander to geography? Sorry. <laughs> so, uh, for for forever, well, except when it was like a challenge, the uh, CFLs had an east against west for the Grey Cup. Yep. You win the west, you play for the Grey Cup. You win the east, you play for the Grey Cup. Pretty tough to split it any other way. Now, some years you have one division that's markedly better than the rest. It's happened a few times. Mm-hmm. Last couple of years, it's really happened. So uh, in the late 90s, they, they said, well, sometimes one division is really better, and we're letting a, a, a poor team into the playoffs as the third-place team in the division. Maybe if the fourth-place team in the, in the other division is better, they, they should cross over. It's happened several times. It's mm-hmm. only ever happened with a West team moving over to the East. An East team has never moved over to the West. Okay. Uh, the Eskimos have been the crossover team, uh, I think, three times now. Last year, they won the East semifinal in Hamilton, lost the final to Ottawa. This year, you got Saskatchewan going over. 
As you know, you're a bit of a Rough Rider supporter. That I am, yeah. It's been quite a twist for them as well. What's your hometown again? Uh, Glassland. Oh, nice town. Yeah. Ice got, Dogs. Yeah, we were talking about that a couple there. weeks ago. Yeah, the Ice Dogs. So, the, and the, the, the thing is, though, Patrick, that the last, this year and last year, the fourth place team in the West wasn't just better than the third place team in the East. The fourth place team in the West was better than the first place team in the East. I thought that's where you were leading. So yes. last year, the Eskimos finished fourth in the West. They were also fourth overall. This year, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders finished fourth in the West. That was also fourth overall. Hmm. So the way the playoffs are working is that you have the top three teams in the league on one side of the bracket, and you have four, five, and six on the other side. And Saskatchewan's number four, yet they got to go on the road and play number six, and then if they win, play number five. And hey, I, I actually, I, I know sometimes people laugh, well, two-thirds of the league makes the playoffs. That doesn't really bother me. Yeah. You know, I think if you just had four, it wouldn't it wouldn't be enough. It, it would maybe leave out some teams who got hot at the end of the year. For sure. Um, and let's face it, before they expanded, the NBA and the NHL used to let 16 out of 21, 22 in. It didn't demean the championship at the end. It's I, not I, I don't I don't mind that. No. But I do think you should reward excellence in the regular season. And I think it's time to scrap the divisions, have overall standings. The top six get in, right? Mm -hmm. The top two teams have a bye. So this year it would be Calgary and Winnipeg. So Winnipeg would be get a little further reward for having a, a good regular season as opposed to having to play another 12-6 and six team in the first round. And, you know, a team like Toronto that went 9-9 nine and nine, would be in the playoffs, but you'd have to go on the road. You'd have, I mean, if they if they did that if they did it that way, the standings this year would have been Calgary and Winnipeg one two. They get a bye into the semis, and they each get to host a semifinal. Edmonton finishes third; they'd be hosting Ottawa. Saskatchewan finishes fifth, and they'd be hosting Toronto in a quarterfinal. And then the the lowest seeded winner plays Calgary. the The best quarterfinal winner plays at Winnipeg. You got semifinals, then you got a great cup. And here's another thing. It would create more variety of playoff matches. It would have a, a chance to create more rivalries because you could be playing different teams in the playoffs year after year. Mm -hmm. There'd be a little more jockeying, perhaps, for position, for seating, for a home game. And get this, if, if the system I'm talking about was in effect, the final regular season game between Toronto and B.C., wouldn't have been for Toronto trying to win the East and get a home playoff game. It would have been for the last playoff spot because BC would have still been alive at 7-10 and 10, and Toronto was going in at 8-9. and nine. I just So got it would tingles. have been for a playoff spot. Yeah, that would be make it a lot more exciting, wouldn't it? Right. Now, granted, it wouldn't work out that way every year. There no. could always be gaps in the standings, right? But, you know, instead of... So Saskatchewan, you know, there are some people who believe... I, I personally don't because I think it's tough to go on the road for two games. But there are some people who believe Saskatchewan benefited from losing their last game and finishing lower in the standings. That, that should not happen. That, that should not happen where, you know, there's, there's even the, the belief that losing a game and finishing lower is a benefit. The Eskimos no. and Riders should have been playing for third and fourth. You know, and if you if you finish third, you get the advantage of playing the sixth place team rather than the fifth place team. I really hope the CFL looks at changing that. Uh, I'll play the clip from Wally Buono next half hour. We had him on the show three weeks ago, and Wally Buono believes it's time to change the playoff format. Inside Sports on 6:30, Chad.